When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hi, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. It is uh, a an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous day all over the East Coast. Um, one of those days you're just happy to be alive. Wonderful, wonderful day. Get out uh, after this show and enjoy the sunshine, the fresh air, beautiful, beautiful weather. And, the, and uh, I don't know where you live. Uh, I know most of you are in the New York area. We have listeners around the country. But where I live in the Washington, D.C. area, the fall foliage is just absolutely stunning, just beautiful, gold and green and yellow and red and orange. It's just never seen anything so beautiful in my life. So hope you're enjoying this wonderful weather, and it's a good time to uh, celebrate the greatness of our country as well, that we have this this amazing, amazing um, beauty. No, no country more beautiful than the United States of America. Okay, it is America the beautiful, isn't it? Um, Lots to talk about today. Thank you for joining us, by the way. I know a lot of you listening are regular listeners. Thank you, thank you. Our ratings for this show are really good, just as across the board. By the way, WABC is doing amazing. And my great, great friend and the owner of the show and the guy who really has brought it back to life, John Katsatamides, has done an amazing job with this wonderful, wonderful station. So I just want to tell you, it is a great, great, great um, station to be involved in. And thank you for listening. Okay. Now, what I want to open the show talking about today uh, is what, uh, an op-ed and a speech that I gave uh, about a week or so ago that has gone viral, and it is all over the Internet now, and you can look it up, and it's called The Seven Ways That, that uh, Joe Biden is Destroying the Economy. And I want to give you some context for this because it's kind of an interesting story about how this happened. I gave a speech last week. I, I am uh, one of the uh, economists, uh, the chief economist at a great group called Freedom Works. And we have activists all over the country who, who uh, support freedom and free enterprise and liberty. And these are the people who just are the, are the people on the ground, the grassroots, the people who really make, uh, you know, our, who save our freedom, basically, and also make sure that uh, people get out and register to vote and hopefully vote the right way. November, which is critical in any case. So I gave this speech to about 100 of these activists, and I didn't quite know what I was going to say when I got on the stage. And, and, and I was discussing what was going on with the economy before I walked on the stage. A number came up to me and said, and we've talked about this on the show, by the way, as well. I've got so many callers who have uh, called in and asked me this question over and over and over again, which is, Look, Joe Biden is taking a wrecking ball to this economy. We all see it. We all see what 
destruction has been done to our economy. It is it is unforgivable. It's unconscionable. Um, the the rapid you know, taking inflation from one and a half percent to eight and a half percent or nine percent. Uh, you know, taking an energy independent country and now making it dependent on countries like Iran and Venezuela and Saudi Arabia and Russia, uh, destroying our coal industry, uh, the um, putting people in jail who are their political enemies. The um, the fact that you now have um, have uh, a, a a situation where a lot of companies are laying off workers. It's it's you know the welfare rolls are higher than ever before. It's just a disgrace. It's a disgrace, and we all know it. Price of gasoline now, by the way, in California, seven dollars a gallon. They're two fifty above the national average, but around the country, gas prices are back up to about four fifty a gallon. There were 250 a gallon or so when Trump was president. So all of these things are going in the wrong direction. It's it's in, inconceivable to me, but it is true that Biden has done this much damage to our economy in 2021 20, months. So the question I get asked is, is this intentional? Are they doing this on purpose or are they just stupid or are they doing it on purpose? Um and when I ask people about this, you know, like when I talked to the 100 activists, I said, how many of you think it's intentional? About 80 percent of the hands went up. They, th- they think that America, a lot of Americans think that this is part of some kind of master plan to, uh, you know, what, what's the old saying? You've got to burn down the village before you can rebuild it. And my attitude about this is no. I don't think it's intentional. I may be wrong about that. I know a lot of you listening to the show probably think it is an intentional plan to uh, to hit a reset on America. You know, they use that term, a reset. We're going to have a reset. I don't know what they're going to reset to. They also use the, the term, you've heard Biden talk about this all the time, transformation, right? We're going to transform the American economy and society. To what? <laughs> what are they going to transform us into? I kind of like America the way it is. I don't like it the way it is right now after 18 months of Biden, but I love this country and we are the richest, best country in the world. So I don't want to see us transformed into a socialist society. So anyway, so I was thinking about, you know, what if they did want to intentionally destroy the economy? In other words, what if you had a Dr. Evil out there who wanted to destroy our country. What are the things that you would do? And and instantly, again, just as an aside, most great societies and civilizations throughout our history, if those who follow history, I know kids don't learn world history these days, which is a problem. We can talk about it in a later show. But um, most great civilizations and emperors and empires, whether it's the Roman Empire, the Greek Greek Empire, the um, British Empire, they are destroyed from within, not from enemies from without. There's a cancer that grows inside those societies, and they crash and they tumble, and and they uh, they lose their their uh, wealth and they lose their exalted position. And so um, I said, what are the things you tr- you do if you were a leader of America and you really you were Doctor Doctor Evil, you know, from from Austin Powers, and you wanted to destroy the country? And here they are, quickly, folks. Um, I'll go through these seven, and then at the bottom, uh, you know, at the at, at the I, I do have one guest on today, but after I talk to David Benson, I'd like to talk to you all, hear what you have to say about this, and and maybe you can add to the list or you can disagree with what I say. Okay, what are the seven things you would do to destroy the economy that Biden is doing? And they're all Ds, okay? They all begin with D. And I think I can remember the – I don't have the list right in front of me, so but I think I can pick, pick these off right uh, from memory. Number one, you would um, destroy the country's border, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't protect the border. 
So you would let all sorts of criminals and and uh, and um, nefarious characters in the country swarm over the border and wreak havoc. That happening? <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that is yes. They're not protecting our border, and that's something you would do if you wanted to destroy a country. Um, number two, you would destroy the um, energy supply of the country because energy is the master resource. You can't have anything if you don't have a, a, a reliable source of energy. Well, we do have a reliable source of energy in this country. It's called fossil fuels. It's called oil, gas, and coal. We have more of that than any other country in the world. What is Joe Biden doing? He's shutting down our oil, gas, and coal. And that is making us depend on other countries. It's causing all sorts of problems uh, that we all know about. Um, and you're seeing it in Europe, by the way. Europe is now, uh, you know, uh, using firewood for fuel because they don't have enough oil, gas, and coal, and they can't. And wind and solar energy obviously don't work on a uh, mass, uh, you know, scalable level. So I think we'd all agree that Joe Biden has declared war on American energy. He's admitted that, and that's something you would do if you wanted to destroy a country. The third thing you would do if you wanted to destroy a country is debt. That's the D word, debt. You would massively increase the debt and, the fi- and, and so um, wreck the finances of the country that it would be on the verge of a kind of bankruptcy. And does that sound like what Joe Biden has done? We borrowed four trillion dollars over the last 20 months, more than we spent to win World War II, uh, I would say that's a pretty nefarious activity to, to run up these massive debts for nothing. By the way, what have we gotten for it? Nothing. <laughs> so that's number three, I think, on the list. Number four thing you would do is um, debase the currency of the country. Now, is Joe Biden doing that? Of course he is. That's what inflation is. Inflation is a way to devalue and and deface a currency. Uh, And that's happening right now as well. And so you've got that problem. Then the the next D is you would detain and arrest and criminalize your political enemies. That's what tyrants do, right? That's what evil leaders do. Anyone who disagrees with them, this is what happened in the Soviet Union. This is what happened in China under Mao. what they do is they imprison their enemies. And that, isn't that exactly what Joe Biden is doing? Look what happened to my friend P- Peter Navarro. They came with machine guns to his house, uh, you know, and arrested him. Uh, you see this all the time. People are being arrested for being supporters of Donald Trump. They are political prisoners. Now, are there some of these characters who've done things that are illegal? Yes. But in many cases, they're simply being arrested because, I mean, even the January 6th um, protesters, you have many people who did things that were peaceful. Some of them were out of hand and probably should be cr- criminally persecute, prosecuted. But you have many peaceful people who, who, were, who were put in jail. And by the way, these, it's been 18 months now, more than 18 months, and many of them have not even had a trial yet. Does that sound fair? No, they are. Why are they under arrest? Why have the Democrats and and Joe Biden put them in jail? Because they don't like their political views. Uh, The next thing you would do is you would destroy the defenses of the country where we are neutering our military. Um, I think I left one out, so I don't I have to confess I've forgotten what the seventh one was. But I wonder if you all can add anything to this list that I'm putting together of things that Joe Biden has done to destroy our country. And I wonder if you think that this is intentional or not. And my point of this, folks, 
is it doesn't matter whether it's intentional or not. The result is the same, that our country is is under assault right now. It's under assault from incredibly bad, misguided policies that seem to be so insidious and so obviously malign that you'd I understand why people think it's intentional because there's no other explanation. And why would you shut down a why would you shut down America's energy? And why would you want to get energy from Venezuela and Iran and Saudi Arabia and not get it from Texas? I mean, right? It, it, there's no there's no answer to that, right? I've I've tried for like what does this say? I think 16 weeks now in a row on this show to get some liberal Democrat or just a Democrat to. Tell me, explain to me what Biden has done on energy and, and, and explain why this makes any sense. And I've never gotten a response to that. So that is my uh, statement of the day. I think we were up against some really, really nefarious forces in Washington. I think these policies are incredibly harmful and malign. And I agree with what Larry Kudlow was saying earlier on his show today. That the response, the most important thing we can do right now as citizens of this great country is throw these rascals out of office. And I'm not saying Republicans are the solution to our problems. God, I sometimes I have so much problems with Republicans, too. But anybody who voted for these policies should be ousted for office in the beginning of, of November. That's my message today. Okay, we'll be right back with the pains. This is the More Money Show. I'm Steve Moore. This is WABC Talk Radio. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with More Money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. Uh, Ryan Payne is with us today, our financial guru, who is one of the best in the business. And we turn to every week for uh, investment advice and how to make sure that we're making money, not losing money on our 401k plans and our investment portfolio. So, Ryan, thanks for joining us uh, Today and I guess your father is taking a well-earned uh, day off. <laughs> I think the markets have gotten to him, Steve. He's, uh, he's hiding out. He's hiding out. Well, <laughs> so you're he's you're the one away. who's going to take the arrows today. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, first of all, remind people about the uh, free consultation that you offer. Yeah, if you saved over a million dollars, if you call or text at eight four four seven five two six six nine two, we'll do a full holistic review and go through everything for your retirement plan. And so what was that number again? 844-752-6692. That sounds like a pretty good deal, folks. I would take uh, Ryan and Bob up on that. So let's get right down to it. It has been another turbulent uh, week. I've never, I don't know if I've seen anything like what happened on Thursday, Ryan, where it's, it was stop market down 600 points at like 9 a.m. And then by the, the end of the day, it was up like, I don't know, 700, 800 points. What, what the heck happened? I mean, I think we're just – the market's trying to find equilibrium here, right? I mean, and I've never seen volatility like that, too, by the way. We had one point down 700 points in the morning, 
Um, yeah. After the inflation number came in, obviously it yeah. came in higher than expected. And right. then to your point, we were up, you know, over almost 800 points by the end of the day. I mean, that is just a tremendous price swing, which also speaks to just right now. I think there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of volatility. But I always say as a longer term investor, you've got to use that to your advantage. Because right now, you know, things are getting priced extremely low. The outlook's, you know, relatively dire, <laughs> I would say. Right. Um, but as a long-term investor, you know, you don't get these opportunities that often. You know, markets only right. sell off like 24% of the time. Um, and I think, you know, right now what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of uncertainty and prices are cheap. And I think as a long-term investor who has to beat inflation, you know, you can't just sit with your head in the sand right now. You've got to make moves because you're not earning anything in cash right now. And markets, you know, they're, they're probably some of the cheapest markets I've seen in my lifetime and since I've been managing money, Steve. And so um... – the uh, this is um, uh, an opportunity. Well, by the way, define for our listeners what you mean by, you know, a long term investment. Is that three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years? What what is that horizon you're talking about where people have a real opportunity right now to buy in? Yeah, I mean, I think it constitutes from anywhere from three, three years out at this point. I mean, I'm not talking about a yield to, to noon or tomorrow, um, you know, certainly not in the next 12 months. I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I would say over the next right. three years, to five years. And, yeah. you know, inflation invariably should come down to some extent. I don't think we're going to be at 40-year highs forever. Um, but, you know, certainly inflation's real, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And let's face uh-huh. it, Steve, if you're still sitting in a money market fund, earning half a percent on your money, and you're paying taxes on that, by the way, Right. Um, you know, you have no chance of growing your money over the cost of living. You have no chance. So, so I think my, this uh, is not the yeah. time to sit around. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say that uh, I'm going to speak from uh, just my personal financial situation. So I am 62 years old. So, you know, I'll probably plan on maybe retiring at maybe 70s, early 70s. I don't, I'm not going to retire anytime soon. But, you know, that gives me, you know, six or seven or eight years for continuing to earn money and to continue to save. So maybe I could buy a house in Florida when I retire. <laughs> Although I don't know <laughs> the prices these days where I could do that. But in any case, so someone like me, who's maybe late fifties, early sixties, you know, late, I'm a, I'm a late baby boomer. Uh, what would you advise for someone like me? Cause I'm fr- frightened about the market right now. Cause you know, losses have been significant, but I hear what you're saying. Maybe this is a time to buy low. So what would you tell someone like me? Well, I think there's two things you have to look at, and you're you're a young 62 for the record, Steve. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the the first one is you have to look at you have an opportunity with stocks and bonds, right? Bond yields now are some of the most attractive we've seen in over a decade. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Treasury bond pays over four percent right now. Um, if you're By the way, what was bracket, it? Just a few years ago, it was like one percent, wasn't it? Oh yeah, about six to twelve months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. that's an incredible increase in in the bond interest rates. So so you like bonds and stocks now. I do, and I think that you have the opportunity to have both in your portfolio. Now, the one thing I would look at is with the markets down, and when markets tend to recover, which they will eventually, right. sure. the leadership tends to change. It's not going to be the same winners that you had the last 10 years. Right. This is where investors right. make the biggest mistake. You know, if you have a yes. lot of technology stocks in your portfolio, a lot of growth because it was the big winner, well, disproportionately, tech stocks are getting hit harder here because tech stocks don't do as well when you have higher inflation. Um, right. And we saw this after the tech bubble burst back in, in 2000 when I got into the business, is you had a lost decade in technology stocks. Meanwhile, international stocks did really well. Um, your, your more traditional value stocks, like Pepsi, came out with great earnings this week because they can cre- increase their prices because of inflation, and you benefit as a shareholder. 
So I, I think the important thing is to reevaluate your portfolio, reposition it to be in a higher inflationary environment. Don't sit on what you were sitting on last year because you hope it comes back. That's a bad strategy. Hope's a bad strategy. So right. I think this is the time you've got to be proactive. And again, we look at yields. I mean, international stocks, for instance, they pay over 4% right now, and that yield's going up. Um, and valuations so, there are as cheap as they've ever been in 25 years. What countries do you like? Uh, we like all of Europe. I mean, I think a lot of bad news has been priced in already. So, I mean, even, you know, if you look at the U.K., um, their uh-huh. stock market, in, if you look at it in their, in their currency, if you look at the U.S. currency, it's a little bit rougher. But that stock market is only down about 10% this year uh, if you look at it in pounds. So, you know, I guess the point is we already know there's war in Eastern Europe. We already know that they're going to go into a recession in Europe most likely. Um, You know, we already know that uh, they have more problems we have here. Uh, So your biggest risk here is, and I've been saying this all year, is we get some good news because good news isn't factored into anything (laughs) when it comes to the economy right now. Um, And that's what happens. When markets turn, they turn on a dime very, very quickly. And if you're not in already, you missed the boat. And I'll, I'll throw a crazy statistic out there. When you look at the last 30 years, if you missed the best 25 trading days over 30 years, your return in stocks got cut in half by 50% oh missing 25 days in 30 years. Now, how good are you? So, you know, that's the question yeah. I have can you tell me right. when the next good good trading day is going to be? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Let me get a crystal ball. But it's broken, Steve. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you don't want to miss those those uh, blockbuster days for sure. Now, uh, when it comes to Europe, a lot of people are concerned, you know, people cover uh, Europe. Uh, like, for example, my friends at the Heritage Foundation uh, are worried about what's going on with Russia and the possibility of a land war in in Europe. Uh, and so that that makes people skittish about investing in Europe. I, and I agree with you, but I think a lot of that bad news is already what the market's anticipating okay, right there. We're, we're looking it. at a drawn out, um, you know, war that, you know, war of attrition, which, you know, may get right. worse here. But I, I think you know, on the other side of the equation, what we're not factoring is that at some point, potentially, maybe you do get some sort of resolution there. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think markets are already anticipating for the worst. So if the All worst right. So one last question. Be- yeah, go for it. One last question before we have to go to our break. Um, you mentioned technology stocks were the big winners, obviously, over the last 20, 25 years. But you, you're suggesting that maybe they're not going to be the best stocks over the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. So what sectors do you like? Um, well, I mentioned Pepsi-Cola, so I think consumer staples are going to do right. well. They do have pricing right. power, right? You, you, go to the, you go to the grocery store now, you know, you're acutely aware of how high prices are. But remember, if you're a shareholder of those companies, you benefit. Because those higher uh-huh. prices means that those companies' revenues go up. Um, yeah. you know, we still like energy as a long tailwind. Energy stocks still trade cheap. The dividends there are really attractive. Um, and I do like the international markets. I'll be bold and say that. But I think the, the point here is, look, you're not going to get a return sitting in cash. Uh, the stock market right now, globally this year, is going to pay out like a trillion dollars in dividends, the most ever. Uh, you wow. have the, the best yields we've seen in bonds in a decade. You know, this is when you want to get invested, when cash flow is rich. It. It's from the riches I've ever seen in my career. That's going to set you up for the next five to 10 years, especially when you're putting your retirement plan together and you've got to factor in growing your money over inflation. So don't sit on the sidelines, get out of cash, get invested. That's your advice for our listeners today. Steve, I couldn't have said it better myself. Exactly right. Uh, okay. That's Ryan Payne. He's one of the best of this business. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan is obviously uh, co-chairman of 
paying capital management. We will be right back. This is More Money on WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. So, Bob, you know at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, not P-A-I-N. We're not a – it's not like we were a chiropractor if we were pain management, but we're Payne Capital Management, you know, boutique firm here in New York City. And all we do, we revolve our practice around financial planning. And I thought we could discuss today at our boutique firm, one thing that we see over and over again with the 50 or so financial plans we run a month are some of those very common red flags that we see a lot of times you have when it comes to really building your financial independence plan. So I thought we could talk about some of the more common red flags that really you need to fix like as soon as possible. All right, Rod. Well, here's the first one. Um, Can you name all of your investments in your portfolio off the top of your head? If you can, that's a red flag. It probably is. It probably means that you don't have enough diversification. Like, and, and I get it. You know, some of these, these shows on TV, like CNBC, Jim Cramer, they're always talking about if you have like three or four stocks, you're diversified. And you and I know that is not diversification because any one stock can go to zero. So, you know, a lot of times I think we delude ourselves and think we're diversified because we have a couple stock names in our portfolio. And as you and I know, that's just not the way to properly diversify. Well, you know, Ryan, you know what's happening right now. It's just like Steve suggested uh, prior uh, in the show is that you just stop looking at your statement. Do you stop reviewing what you have? And I think a lot of you are doing that right now. And the problem is if you have all these different investments in different baskets, in other words, you have different accounts, like maybe 12, 15 accounts, you have no idea what you have. And you might have so much duplication that you're losing more money than you should be losing right now because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. We call that overlap in your portfolio. And it's hard to tell, right, when you have different statements coming in from different firms and you see you have all these different names on your portfolio. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, my money is spread out. But the irony is when you start looking under the hood on a lot of these investments, and this is why we like to put everything on one spreadsheet and see what basket everything in your portfolio actually should be in, what you find is a lot of times you have lots of different names, but they are all invested in the same stocks, you know, so you end up not being diversified. You only find that out when the market falls off a cliff and you realize, oh, my God, my money's been concentrated in one area, even though I have all these accounts and different investments. You know, one of the new clients that just came in as a result of listening to our radio show, Rye, just met with the other day, and they said, um, well, Bob, you know, I'm, I'm really well diversified. I said, well, you're not because you had, you know, you have growth funds in each of these accounts, but then you own individual stocks, and they're all growth stocks. Guess which ones they own? Apple, Google, Amazon, <laughs> Facebook, um, you know, <laughs> advanced micro devices. Like, these are all growth stocks, and that's why your portfolio is underperforming. And so, you know, it's a matter of, of knowing, you know, being able to see everything in one place and making sure that you don't have that overlap, right? Yeah, it is critical because risk management, when you get to that financial red zone, you're down the home stretch for, stretch for retirement or retired now, it's all about risk management. You can't afford the downside like you may could have earlier in your working career. You know, the other red flag uh, that I think becomes really critical, especially when you're planning for retirement or retired now is how often are you meeting with your financial professional? Kind of like it to like you should get that physical every single year with your physician, but a lot of times we don't do the same thing with our finances. You know, they, I was just uh, referencing that new client uh, that came in last week and, and, the number one reason for transferring all their assets to us was not only did they not meet with their financial advisor once a year, you haven't heard from them in a year. <laughs> well, that's the problem with our industry, right? Financial people are lazy. <laughs> They're very lazy. 
So I think that's a really important component you've got to reevaluate. You have to think, ask yourself, the person who's managing my assets, are they a stockbroker? Are they just giving me investment ideas? Are they someone who's truly following up, looking over my portfolio in context to my goals? And if they're not, it's time to reevaluate that situation and also making sure you're getting that update at least every 12 months. If you're not reviewing your financial plan every 12 months, you probably have holes that need to be filled in. That's got to be addressed like now. There's thousands and thousands of advisors out there, right? You ask every single one of them, what do you what do you do for your clients? Well, I do financial planning. Well, having a portfolio is not financial planning, right? You have to know, are you making the proper contributions to your 401k or, or your, are you doing your Roth conversions? Have you taken Social Security properly? Do you do a wealth projection? Is your money growing net of inflation and taxation? Are you protected in the event that we go into a deep recession? You know, these are all planning issues that have more to do with how you're conducting yourself on an annual basis, and you need that annual review. Otherwise, you know, it's not one time, and you never have to look at it again. Well, the other thing, too, is when you think about your, your financial life, it's a working document, right? Your life is always changing. And Bob, we made this joke before. It's like when you get your physical at 18, you know, it's, <laughs> you, you've got a lot of different issues than when you're in your 60s, right? It's just, and it's the same thing with your financial life. You know, everything's going to change, right? That growth portfolio that you may have had for the last couple decades when you were working was fine. But now that you're in the wealth distribution stage, you have different issues that need to be addressed. You need a portfolio that's restructured to meet those new needs. And that's one of the biggest mistakes we see with like the 50 portfolios a month that we look at is a lot of times your portfolio doesn't adjust with you. And it has to because if it's not, you get a market downturn like this. And then you find out and that tide goes out, as we like to say, you know, you find out you've been swimming naked. And that's not the place you want to be. You know, you've got to start thinking ahead of time before the tide goes out. You know, are you covered? Are you addressing all those issues proactively as you move along in retirement? That's why it's so important to do an annual financial physical, not just to look at, you know, the overall plan, but also to look at what's most important. What kind of income is your portfolio generating? Do you have an income plan? How critical is that, right? Oh, my gosh. Forget it, right? Income is everything, right? We need money to live on. It's that simple. And, Bob, you and I, we're simple men, <laughs> so we got to <laughs> keep it simple. But, you know, income planning is not as simple as it sounds. It's not just like, okay, I stopped working. I need to fill in that income gap with whatever my paycheck was coming in with income from my portfolio. The other thing you have to account for is health care costs. They're going to go up in retirement. And number two, your cost of living is going to double because inflation over the next 20 years. And this is why we always say if you have an annuity and it's the same amount of money coming in every year, that's not adjusting with inflation that might be a big problem for you down the line when you need more money just to do the same things. Now, you can't have a, a fixed portfolio, which means it's fixed. It makes no return. All you do is lose to inflation and taxes. Um, so it's income's important, but also tax efficiency is important. You know, they're spending money like drunken sailors in Washington, D.C. I can't believe the amount of debt we have as a country. I don't know, Rod. Give me, I'm going to try and guess. Do you think our taxes are going to go up or down over the next 10 years? <laughs> I hate to say it, I'm cynical, Bob, but I feel like taxes are going to continue to go higher. And again, like, you know what? Shame on you if you don't use proactive strategies to avoid as much taxation as possible, because there's lots of legal ways for you to, to shelter income, create tax-free income. And as we always like to say, it's not what you make, it's what you take. It's not just about the income you generate, but how is it taxed? Because all that matters is what goes into your pocket after taxes. And most of us don't account for that. And that's all that really matters when we want to have a solid financial plan. No, that's absolutely the case, Rye. So the last one, and I think this is a, uh, a red flag, 
when I ask someone, you know, how do you define your retirement plan? And they can't. That's a big red flag. No, that's exactly right. You should know what your expenses look like over the next 12 months. You should have an idea what kind of income is going to come in to offset that those expenses that you have. Exactly right, Bob. You should be able to know what your expenses are going to look like over the next 12 months, what kind of income you have come in to meet those expenses. Like, this should be clear as day. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I have no idea. Like, I need to get on top of what my income plan is. I need to get on top of my diversification. No one's following up with me to make sure that I'm updated with my financial life. Well, here's your shot to do it. We literally have six slots left. If you have saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan, Bob and I will run for your total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. There's no other firm out there that will do all this legwork up front. We literally build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture, and we're just going to hone in on every issue that has to be addressed today. Stop putting your head in the sand. We're going to figure out that income plan. We're going to figure out exactly how to draw from your portfolio, factor in inflation, factoring how to draw from Social Security, so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life as inflation continues to go higher. We're going to look at diversification. Are you getting hit hard here with market selling off? Are you over-concentrated in your risk that you didn't know you had? We're going to do a full evaluation of your portfolio, put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you products that have high fees that are very, very tax inefficient, whether it's an annuity a mutual fund, insurance product, brokerage product. We're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own. We're going to show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. We'll put together a full tax game plan, give you our tax playbook so you optimize your portfolio so you pay the least amount of tax. We have literally six slots left. If, let me say it again. We literally have six slots left if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next six callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost but you won't have a plan unless you text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Pain Capital Management, that's P-A-Y-N-E, simply go to bbullish.com. You can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. And if you have any questions you want us to address directly, Go to bbullish.com slash questions. Bob and I will address all your questions. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973-354-2276. Or Elevate Wellness Group. If you're suffering from ED, you're not alone. 60% of men over 60 have this problem. Help is out.
out there. The professionals at Elevate Wellness can help you be the man you used to be. They've helped thousands of patients and have a 96% success rate. What are you waiting for? Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Your first visit is only $99. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Help is out there. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Good morning. This is Ryan Payne filling in for Bob for this week's market update. And a wild ride it was on the street of dreams this week as data on the state of the economy was mixed, causing stock prices to swing erratically. When the roller coaster ride in stocks finally ended Friday afternoon, the Dow Jones Industrial Average actually rose 1.15% for the week. The S&P 500 fell 1.55%. And the tech-heavy Nasdaq continued to bleed badly, fell another 3.08%. Overall, U.S. markets remain in bear market territory. And the news, quite frankly, hasn't been great. Outlook for global growth continues to decline as the IMF cut global growth estimates to 2.7%. And September inflation still ran hot at 8.2%. All in all, high inflation continues to cast a black cloud over the economy. The September core CPI, which excludes food and energy costs, increased 0.6% for the second straight month in a row. The 6.6% year-over-year rise was the biggest in four decades. That's 40 years. Inflation, though cooling in some areas of the economy, remains stubbornly hot overall. Furthermore, U.S. consumers raised their expectations for future inflation offering another signal that the Federal Reserve may have to continue to aggressively raise interest rates to temper stubbornly hot consumer prices. The central bank has already raised its benchmark five times this year, with the last three increases by 0.75%. Wall Street expects another raise of three-quarters of a percentage point at its next meeting in November. The yield on the two-year Treasury which tends to track expectations for future Fed action, rose to 4.5% from 4.4% just before the report came out. That's it, folks. A two-year Treasury now at 4.5%. We haven't seen that in over a decade. However, not all the news was so bad. Several big banks were bright spots in the market. J.P. Morgan Chase rose 1.7% after reporting earnings and revenue that topped Wall Street expectations. Wells Fargo rose 1.9% after it reported strong revenue. And most surprisingly, overall consumer confidence remains considerably strong despite higher prices on a wide range of goods. A government report showed that the pace of sales at U.S. retailers was unchanged in September from August, despite the fact rising prices for rent, food. Bottom line, the consumer continues to spend regardless of higher prices. So despite extreme uncertainty in the current economy, our view is this too shall pass. Eventually, consumer prices are going to come back to earth. Eventually, the Fed will stop raising interest rates and stop tightening financial conditions. In the meantime, global markets are historically cheap and pay the highest cash flow ever in history, presenting long-term investors with a rare opportunity to buy capital markets on sale and build a retirement portfolio that will overcome the adverse effects of inflation long-term. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, you need to build that portfolio for the future. Take advantage of the uncertainty that presents the best long-term opportunity. Well, here's your shot to do it. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, if you call or text right now at 844-752-6692, 
That's 844-752-6692. My father and Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan and put together a game plan for you to solidify your long-term retirement goals. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show, and this is WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in these United States of America. It is a, as I said earlier, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous day all over the East Coast. So uh, get out, enjoy these beautiful colors. The fall foliage where I live is just incredible. It's like a peak season. So get out, enjoy that fresh air and the beautiful sunshine. Uh, my next guest, by the way, I will take calls at the, uh, in about uh, 15 minutes um, on the More Money Hotline. That More Money Hotline, if you want to call in and, and tell me if you think this is intentional, what Biden has done, or whether this is just stupidity on his part. Uh, that number for the More Money Hotline is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. But uh, before I get to our callers, I want, I'm really privileged to have w- w- one of the top financial analysts in the United States of America, David Banson. Uh, David Banson, many of you know all about David Banson. His, um, he is the uh, managing partner and chief investment officer of the Banson Group. He's rated as one of the top 100 financial advisors in America. He is also the author of one of my favorite new books. I, I was telling David, I was talking to him last week, that this is just a book that um, I have by my bedside, actually. And it's one of these books you can just pick up and read uh, you know, a few pages of and learn so much about uh, what's going on with our economy. And, and the, the name of the book, I love this title, is There's No Free Lunch. Of course, that was the famous Milton Friedman quote and the um, title of David Danson's great new book, There's No Free Lunch. David, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Well, thanks for having me, Steve, and thank you for the kind introduction. So I've got a lot I need to talk to you about today, um, and I'm going to start right out uh, because you are, I think, one of the very top financial minds in this country. By the way, do you live in California? I go back and forth every month between California and New York because apparently I have no regard for my own tax efficiency. <laughs> okay, where do you live in California? In Newport Beach, which is uh, well, that's one of the most beautiful cities in the country, even though our is. state tax rate is 13.3%. <laughs> there you go. Well, that is one of my favorite places in America, but I don't pay taxes there. Uh, but I want I, – look, I'm going to start with a premise and either talk me off the ledge or tell me that I'm right. I am very worried about a global financial crisis. Um, as I look around the world, not just in the United States, but in Europe and Japan and other countries, there is this – it's almost like modern monetary theory, this crazy idea that governments can just spend and spend and borrow um, has taken hold. And I'm not seeing countries pull back from the enormous expansion of government that happened during COVID. I am heartsick about what's happening in the U.K. right now, where they're um, burning out any idea of tax cuts, but they're continuing to increase government spending. And David, in my mind, this can't continue. And if it does continue, it cannot have a happy ending. Yeah, it's tough to know how to answer when I agree with you entirely about the problem 
and yet I want to be able to try to offer some realistic yes. optimism please, because I am please, an optimist. I, I, and, yeah, I know and, you and, are. That's why I asked you the question. So walk me down from the ledge. Um, the things you diagnose have not just started. Excessive indebtedness is not new. It didn't begin at COVID. Temporary government programs that become permanent is right. something Milton Friedman taught us decades ago. The New Deal, the Great Society, and yes, the COVID expansion. The, you know, these are all different parts of the last 100 years of the progressive um, experiment. Mm -hmm. And yet, the engines of free markets are so strong. God's blessings upon our country are so real that somehow we have still had pretty remarkable economic growth and prosperity throughout this big expansion yep, yep. of government. So the bad news is it could be so much better. The good news is that we can fix what's wrong by what we know is right in the American system, supply-side uh, policy reforms, uh, resurgence right. of growth, and, and a diminishment to the role of government. These principles can still work. Now, we say right now, well, the Democrats control the House. We can't do it. Or there's a Democrat right. in the White House. We can't do it. Look, we've had bad periods with Republicans. We've had some good periods with Democrats. Right. It isn't partisan. Yeah. We just need better yeah. policy, Steve. Right. Yeah, by the way, the you know, the, one of the most prosperous times in American history was when Bill Clinton was president. We had a huge stock market rally. We had divided government. By the way, one of the things I wonder if you think about this, David, I mean, I've looked just I'm not the financial analyst that you are, but I've looked over the last. And I've just noticed that the, the stock market actually tends to do better when you have divided power in Washington, something we do not have today, but we might have after November. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, the history is actually quite clear. By the way, there's even a difference between a Democrat in the White House, the Republicans having the House, and the Democrats having the Senate, which is one form of divided government, versus uh -huh, right. divided where Republicans have both chambers of Congress and the Democrats have uh, the White House. Having both chambers of Congress is ideal because even though we can't really get anything passed into law that we like to do without a president who will sign into law – the Senate controls the committees, and there's so much regulatory power, particularly in energy policy, financial services. Right. So I like divided government. You're exactly right empirically. It's Reagan and Tip O'Neill and Clinton and Gingrich, and people hate me saying right. it, but I'm sorry to call strikes, Obama and Boehner. You know, the stock market right. didn't have a single down year during the Obama administration. Now, part of it is because he got to take over at the, at the trough yeah. of the financial crisis. But my point is divided government yeah. is good. Yeah. So uh, going back to my premise about uh, – let me put it like this. Where are things going right? I mean, I don't see them going right in America. I don't see them going right in, in England. I don't see them going right in Germany. Uh, in other words, where can we point to where – where those kind of pro-growth, pro-free enterprise ideas that you talk about in your book, No Free Lunch, uh, I, I don't – maybe I'm missing something, but where is there – where are there glimmers of hope? Okay, well, let's first start with what the word you just used, ideas. The ideas of free enterprise 
are still being heavily promoted in the common sense of American society, out on the street, in Main Street, where voters in their communities, their families. I teach free market economics to Christian high school students, and they eat it up. (laughs) The problem is where are things going wrong? They're going wrong in the faculty lounge at Harvard, the conference rooms at the Fed, and in the chief of staff of the White House. That's where they're going wrong. Well, that's a lot of power. But we have hundreds of millions of people on our side. That's where it's going right. But, you know, it's funny. The thing, the Biden administration has fumbled with energy more than almost any other part of their policy portfolio. And you know we're still going to export more LNG this year than we ever have because they can't even stop this train of obvious common sense that the world needs our LNG. It should be 10 times more than it is. And if Trump were still in office, it would be 10 times more. We would have a more friendly regulatory environment. But despite everything they're doing to ruin energy independence in America, you know, the exports have gone up. That's one good sign I have to point to. Yeah, we think, by the way, that that uh, we, in fact, that the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, we just put out a study estimating we'd be producing about three million more barrels a day of oil if it weren't for the Biden policies. But you're right, we're still producing a lot of oil. It's just we could be producing more. And and incidentally, uh, David, I don't think we'd have to really worry so much about what OPEC does if we were just promoting our own energy here at home. There wouldn't even have to be an OPEC because we'd right. be the marginal producer. That's right. We'd be the marginal producer. We'd take away the power from gangsters. That's exactly right, Steve. So uh, what, I, I'm, I'm heartbroken about what's happening in Britain, uh, where, uh, you know, the, the finance minister was a supply sider. He wanted to do a lot of the right things. He got thrown out. Uh, the bond market really rebelled what we call sometimes the bond vigilantes, rebelled against uh, Elizabeth Truss's attempt to do a lot of the right things and now she seems to be reversing course uh what do you see what how do you explain how the market responded to what happened in britain well you know you're smart and you're going to understand this and i want to apologize for people who haven't heard some of these vocabulary before because i'm not trying to make it more complicated than it is but i don't believe the bond market rebelled against supply side policy i think that the bond market rebelled against the leverage and margin and the derivatives that some of their pension funds had taken, Mm -hmm. and it coincided Mm -hmm. with her announcing supply-side reforms, which gave the media the in to create a BS narrative, okay? And and so I think you're exactly right that it's tragic that she's having to capitulate. Uh, She was thinking the right way about solving for inflation, by producing more goods and services. You produce more goods and services by creating incentives to do so. That's the heart of supply-side economics that people like yourself and Cudlow and Laffer and Forbes have been promoting for years. Um, I don't know where it will go in the short term politically, but it sure seems to me that the UK is victims of the same thing we are here, which is the media trying to spin and control a left-wing narrative. So uh, I do think it's uh, almost certainly the Republicans are going to take the House, and, and uh, I, I think it's looking better every day that they will also take the Senate, but you never know with, with elections. But um, we, So we will have at least some divided power in Washington after November, whether it's as much divided power as we'd like to see, what we don't know yet. But if you were advising, and I know sometimes you talk to these Republican leaders, uh, what should Republicans do? 
um, to to deal with the inflation crisis. And I'm going to kind of posit something, and then I, I'd like your reaction to it. And I've been saying for the last number of weeks that more important than the interest rates is to try to get control of this out of funding. You could get a, a you know a believable, credible package of reductions in the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars we've spent, that that might even have a more positive effect of bringing down inflation than the rate increases by the Fed. Well, it's exactly right. And uh, the hard lesson I'd give my Republican friends is they can't only decide they're against big spending when a, when a Democrat is in the White House. You got to be against big spending all the time because big spending is always in forever. The growth of government, which creates more incentive for the Fed to be interventionist, for uh, fiscal interventions, Keynesian thinking, we have to control the size of government. And ultimately, the size of the deficit is less consequential than the overall size of government yes. because of crowding out the private sector where good capital allocation, where good resource optimization can take place. We want to put our capital, our ideas, our manpower to work in the most productive parts of the economy, and that is not at the DMV. Okay, and so this is the main issue I want Republicans to understand. So they got to control spending, and then we have got to quit talking as if we want to deify the Federal Reserve. First, we said the Fed needed to bail us out with a zero interest rate policy, with quantitative easing, with an alphabet soup of different you know concoctions to buy these kinds of bonds and those kind of bonds. But now we're doing it again, saying, oh, the Fed has to go solve for inflation. Health insurance premiums were up 21 percent year over year. What in the <laughs> world does that have to do with the How Fed? How can that happen, David? I thought we passed the Affordable Care Act. I thought that was going to make health insurance more, more affordable. And, and that's exactly right. That's what our narrative should be, is pointing out yeah. that the left has lied to us before. Didn't work. But this idea that Jay Powell is going to solve inflation is not true. This is uh, David Danson, who is one of the top financial advisors in the United States. And it's uh, David on the way out. We've got about uh, 60 seconds left. Um, you, you talked about what Republicans should do. And I'm in almost complete full agreement with you. The question on the way out is, do you think they will do it? Um, I think that it's, they're going to play it safe for the next two years. They w certainly will, will not allow Biden to pass anything. That's good. They're going to play defense, and that's part right. of the, the system of government we have, separation of powers. But you know what? We need a supply-sider, limited government constitutionalist in the White House, and that's where Amen. you can start doing things more proactively. Hey, Amen. No, that's David Banson. David, thanks so much for joining us. Can you come on sometime in the next few weeks and continue this discussion? Because it's been very educational for me and our listeners. You bet, Steve. Anytime. Thanks so much. Thank you, David. All right. We got time for two quick hours. This is the I'm Steve Moore. I posited at the beginning of the show that I don't know if this is intentional, what Joe Biden is doing to our economy, uh, but it, it, but he is he is certainly dismantling the economy with with uh, destroying our energy, destroying our finances, just, you know, running up the debt, uh, letting the, the border and crime run out of control. So I want to hear from you now. Uh, that number, we've got time for two callers, I think, Mr. Producer. That number is 1-800-848-9222. Mr. Producer, do we have anyone waiting on the line? Yeah, we have Steve from New Jersey right now. 
Steve, what do you got for us, sir? And I've got, we've only got about a few minutes left. So what do you got? Hi, Steve. Steve, I, I basically agree with you. The overall policies are bad for the U.S. We we can over beer. We can talk later whether they're doing it purpose. The Biden people are doing it purposely or not. This is a time. I agree with you and Mr. Cullo. Let's just get out. We got to vote these people out. Republicans, Democrats, common sense Democrats, independents. Please get to the poll. We've got to vote these Democrats out. And a good right. indication of how whether we want to say this party is radical left, communist, socialist, yep. whatever. Yep. A good indication yeah, of how bad they are. Tulsi Gabbard left the party this week. I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. uh, Steve, great call. Uh, By the way, I met Tulsi Gabbard this week. Oh, my gosh. She was incredible. I mean, she's she's beautiful. She's charming. She's incredible presence. She she is incredibly poised. She gave a great speech that just knocked knocked me out of the park with her sterling defense of freedom. She is an up-and-comer. I'm glad that uh, Steve brought up – Tulsi Gabbard, keep an eye on her. Mr. Producer, I think we got time for one or two more quick uh, callers if we have them. Yep. Next is Mark from Long Island. Mark, uh, we're running out of time, but what what do you got for us, sir? I'll make it real quick. The issue here is similar to what happened in the 60s with the expansion and spending between the Great Society and the Vietnam War. Um, That led to a high inflation environment in the 70s because you have to balance the books. We just increased the money supply by 40%. When you increase the money supply by 40%, you have to drive inflation because that's how you're going to balance the books. So it's absolutely on purpose, but it's on purpose really because if you give $40 trillion to friends of yours, you need to take the money out of the American people's pocket to balance the books. Well, Mark, you you nailed it, my friend. That's why I take callers, by the way, on the More Money Show, because we have so many smart listeners who can explain this stuff oftentimes better than I can. Uh, well put. I, okay, we've got 60 seconds left, and we have time for a caller if we got one. Yep, Joan from Chelsea. Joan, thanks for calling. Oh, we've got 60 seconds left. So what do you got for us today? I think one of the um, big ways – uh, Biden and the left are destroying the country is by destroying the children, girls and boys. Wait, boys destroying what? I'm sorry, destroying what? Uh, uh, you you ask for ways. One is the debt. One is the but yeah. one I, one way that this country is being destroyed yes. is the yes. way they're destroying the children. Oh, the children. You know, I agree with you. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go on with your point because I'm in complete agreement. Go ahead. Well, well, you know, they convinced them that, you know, first of all, then you never have children if you don't know whether you're a boy or a girl. And, you know, um, and and your thinking is all screwed up to begin with anyway. Right. Um, So I I think uh, that's a great way to 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 really uh, destroy the country. You know what? In addition to to your ways. Yes. You know what? I was trying to think of the. I had seven ways that the, that, that, the, uh, that they're destroying our economy and, and our society, and I could only think of six. I couldn't remember the seventh. And you just nailed it, my friend, because the seventh was how they are indoctrinating our children with all of these crazy anti-American ideas. If you want to destroy a country, you know, indoctrinate the children with an agenda that is against the culture and the history of our country and that's you're so right that's exactly what they're doing and incidentally that might be the most insidious things of all that they're what they're doing to our kids and, and we got to get rid of the teachers unions and let kids go to good schools ladies and gentlemen get out enjoy this wonderful country this wonderful day 
Uh, we will survive. The cavalry is coming, as my friend Larry Kudlow says. This is the More Money Show on WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.